God, we thank you for today. We thank you for the opportunity to be in your house among your people. Uh, Lord, I know that you have a special word in your word for us today, and I would ask that you would speak through me, around me, and in spite of me, if that's what you need to do. For we want to look more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So what is occupying your hearts and minds these days? What kinds of things come to mind immediately? Is there anything that is keeping you up at night or very distracting during the day? Yeah, probably. So I looked up on the internet because, you know, why not? Um, the list of the most common worries. And there were two lists. One before the pandemic, and one after. I thought they were very interesting. First one, before the pandemic, we worried about money, and work, and jobs, and relationships, fear of being late, not waking up on time, other people being upset with us, and concerns about our appearance, and our health and family's health. During the pandemic, the order has changed as you can probably guess. Health, family's health, fear of dying alone, the economic situation, country stability, food shortages, mental health, job security, looting and riots, oh yeah, and there's an election. <laughs> yep. It's a lot. Do you ever have anxiety dreams? Hmm. I have one. Thank you for nodding. I have one that's been recurring for my entire life. Whenever I feel like unprepared or incapable, I have this dream. I am in the hallway at my high school, standing in front of my locker, and I cannot remember the combination. It makes me feel frantic. It makes me feel dumb. It makes me feel helpless. So. Pretty classic, right? Yeah, that's my anxiety dream. I don't know if your anxiety dream is. I hope it's, you know, doesn't leave you for anything. Um, what if I told you that the Bible has some very specific things to say about anxiety? Specifically, what, how, and why anxiety plagues us. Are you interested? Hope so. I'm going to read 1 Peter chapter 5, starting in verse 5. Just three short verses, 5, 6, and 7. Young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, because God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Short words, hard to live out, right? So knowing that Peter is going to give us some very specific instructions, let's start at the beginning. Verse 5 starts out, in the same way, in some translations, or therefore, in other translations, the NRD has therefore. So we have to ask, what's the therefore? Therefore, 
or in the same way as what. So you have to look back a couple of verses. And, and Peter is talking about being submissive and being humble and how that is really important. And he uses this phrase, clothe yourselves with humility. Well, that's a nice little turn of phrase, but what does that actually mean? Is there like a vest that you can buy that makes you humble? In which case, like, where can I get it? So let's define the word humility. It is not, as many people might think, the opposite of pride, where we minimize our accomplishments kind of out of an overcorrection for not wanting to appear proud or boastful. Instead, humility is coming to a place where we are God-dependent, rather than believing that the myth that we can be self-sufficient. Another way of saying this, simpler way, humility is realizing that God is God and we are not. Right? He's omniscient, he's omnipresent, he's everywhere, all knowing, all the time. We are none of those things. See, this is not just a theoretical construction, it has actual physical and emotional effects if we get this wrong. See, if we falsely buy into the myth that we are self-sufficient, that we can handle everything that comes our way, using our own smarts and resources and energy and all the things that we think we have, one, we're going to be disappointed when we eventually encounter a situation where we can't handle it. Hi, pandemic. How are you doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, number two, we're going to live in that place of tension where we want to see ourselves and believe that we're competent, but the reality in front of us is different. And that tension, wanting something to be true, but the reality is not, and no amount of wishful thinking or magical thinking can make it be the same, that cognitive dissonance is the basis of anxiety. If we believe something that's not true and we cling to that belief, we're gonna make ourselves anxious. I can do it, I can do it, yes I can. No, you can't. Oh wait, now I have your attention. See, the opposite of humility is not pride, it's anxiety. Huh, that's an interesting idea, I'm gonna say that again. The opposite of humility is not pride, it's anxiety. All right, well I need to define anxiety, I looked it up, there are a couple definitions. One says it's a painful or apprehensive uneasiness of mind usually over an upcoming or impending event. Being nervous about something that's gonna happen. Maybe. Another definition is abnormal or overwhelming sense of apprehension and fear of things in the future, real or imagined, and our sense of not being able to handle it. Back to my trying to do the thing that I can't remember and I 
So you know the feeling, right? Worrying to the point of distraction. Your mind is racing. You're worrying about things that might or might not happen. And then you start to think, well, if this happens, this is how I'll react. And if that happens, then I'm going to do this. And your mind is just spiraling. And it starts to go faster and faster and faster. And your heart rate rises. And you start to sweat. And you just start to feel jittery, right? I'm hoping I'm not the only one that this is true for. The Bible is actually full of references, so I am not alone. The Bible gives us many, many cases of people being anxious. It starts right in Genesis. Adam and Eve thought they could become smarter by eating that really magic piece of fruit, but instead they became ashamed. They believed that they could be smarter, but their actuality was different, and so they started to feel anxious, and they caused that anxiety, caused them to try to hide from God. Sound familiar? Mm. Moses, too. Pillar of God, Moses, great leader. When God told him via a burning bush, hey, you're going to go talk to Pharaoh and get him to release my people, you know, the free slave labor that he had had for 400 years? Yeah, sure. Easy, easy. No problem. Yeah, now Moses felt unprepared and unqualified. He was very anxious about going to speak to Pharaoh. Several of the Psalms talk about being anxious. David was anxious. Solomon was even anxious. Why is this guy who ever lived anxious? Psalm 37 says, do not fret because of those who are evil, or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither and die away. Fret feels kind of like an old-fashioned word, but it's pretty descriptive, actually. Psalm 55 says, listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my plea. Hear me and answer me. My thoughts trouble me, and I am distraught. David is not mincing words. Everyone else had thoughts that troubled them. The most direct teaching about not being anxious is obviously from Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. Pastor Howard read the passage. Don't worry about food. Don't worry about clothing. You can't even add an hour to your life by warning. Take it, because a lot of people don't even get the flu shot, right? What if I'm 
Could the virus mutate and become airborne? How do we deal with that? <sighs> then there's the economic situation. Unemployment is at historic highs. I know that people will have trouble paying their rent. Luckily, praise God, I'm not one of them. They say that we're going to have an eviction crisis. What will that look like? Congress can't seem to figure out another stimulus check? Really? Like, how hard is that? My 401k is in the stock market, and right now the stock market's doing okay, but how long can that last? Can the Fed keep printing money? Will that eventually make things more expensive anyway? And what if the bank's computers get hacked? <sighs> yeah. So what? There are food shortages. Is it really true that we're not going to be able to get toilet paper again? Like, really? What about meat? There were all those diseases in the meat packing factories because that meat is contaminated and we should eat it. If we go into another stay-at-home order, will we have enough groceries to get us through? Can we really live on soup? And education. Oh my gosh. Education. As if education is not hard enough. Oh my gosh. Plexiglass and sanitizing surfaces in the hope that we don't turn our children into germaphobes. And the kids need structure and they need social skills, but they also need to not get sick. And what about the littles, like the kindergarten and first graders? They love to hug and kiss their teacher. Like, how do you say? Nope. Nope. It's only true at the ballpark. 
Sorry, Pastor Howard. Some people are going to miss football, too. What? <laughs> Will so many athletes continue to take it in me and protest that we won't even have sports teams, that we can't even feel sports teams anymore? What about all those athletes who train for the Olympics and now they can't go? And what does that mean for them and for their families? And is everybody else going to be depressed? So many things. My thoughts keep swirling, and I'm distracted, and I'm fog-brained, and will my normal working memory and attention span ever turn? And is it hot in here? <laughs> Another passage that talks about anxiety is the other one that Pastor Howard read, and it's so often quoted, and it's on t-shirts, and it's, you know, you can buy pillows with it on it. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Okay, that's a pretty high bar. Do not be anxious about anything, really. The Apostle Paul did not know my family or my friends, or my co-workers. Yeah. It's a lot. So Paul gives us the same recommended solution and prevention method that Peter does in today's passage, and that Jesus did. Don't worry. Instead, trust God. Pray, and bring your concerns to God. And here's what many of us struggle with. Bring your request to God and leave them there. Trust God with them. Yeah. We have to trust that the descriptions of God from Scripture are true. He is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And that He does, in fact, know what you need before you even think to ask for it. Also, Everyone knows Psalm 23, right? It starts out, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall lack nothing. Wait, what? You will lack nothing. God will ensure that you have everything that you need. Now, not everything that you want, because none of this is there as long. If he can feed the birds of the air and clothe the ground with flowers and grass, and knows the number of hairs on our heads and our thoughts before we think them, is there really any detail of your life that is beyond his case? And his ability to handle really. I mean, when you think about it. So, with those scriptures in mind, let's return to 1 Peter chapter 5 to figure out how to solve this tendency for anxious thoughts. Because, you know, it's a lot. Like laying me down. So the first is in verse 6. It's a command. So it's not a suggestion, it's a command. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. We need to give up on the misguided effort that we can deal in our own strength with everything that life has for us. We were designed by God to rely on God. Like our operating system, if your computer 
He wants to transform us into the image and character of his son. So get this. This always humbles me. Even Jesus was not fully self-sufficient. What? No, he was the member of the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Like, it was a thing. So literally no one is designed to do things by themselves. Not even Jesus. The thought that we are somehow more powerful and more capable than the God who created us, well, the Bible calls that sin. It's pride. Arrogance. <laughs> Trying to be your own God, really. And um, that's called idolatry. Yeah. Um, check out Exodus 33 and 34 about the golden calf incident to see how well that worked out for those people. So that's what to do. We have to humble ourselves and realize that we can't do it by ourselves. The procedure, how to do it, verse 7. Casting all your cares on him. Okay. So we've learned that we can't and shouldn't rely on ourselves. But we know that we have those thought patterns that go back to that habit of trying to do the things and like all the things. So when we encounter a situation that's going to make us anxious, how do we offload those fret-filled thoughts? Jesus promised, in this world you will have trouble. Yep. I tell you, trouble's heavy. <laughs> but, Jesus says, take heart, I have overcome the world. So we cast them on Jesus. So this is the procedure, we cast them on Jesus. So, this word cast in Greek is an interesting one. Before I looked it up, I'm like, oh, I don't know what it is. I bet it's ekbalo, which means to forcefully throw. <laughs> forcefully throw away your troubles. Like, mm. Or it might be the, the word that's used in fishing for just kind of casting down or letting down your nets. But see, the problem with those two things is like I can still see the hat and it's like still right here in my consciousness. Yeah. <laughs> Another possibility is the word kleos, which Jesus talked about casting lots for his clothing. And this was like when they would throw dice, like rocks shaped like dice, and depending on how the rock landed is who got the clothing. Seems kind of random to me. I'm not really sure that I would trust that system. So no, it's actually an entirely different word for cast your cares on Jesus. It's ipiripipto. It's kind of weird. Anyway, the only other place this word is used in the New Testament is in Luke 19.35, which is the story of Palm Sunday where Jesus came into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. Now you know I love these donkeys. Donkeys are smarter than horses, and they do not startle the way horses do, and I looked it up, they are actually stronger and can carry more weight. Jesus rode a donkey. So, the word means 
throwing your cloaks onto a donkey, which is also called sometimes a beast of burden. Mm. The tradition of placing cloaks down in front of a king, like they did for Jesus in Palm Sunday, goes back to 1 Kings 9 when they did it for King Jehu. But on Palm Sunday, people laid down their cloaks in front of Jesus, as if to say, you are our king. Everything we have is yours. What a great word picture this is. Cast your anxieties and your burdens onto Jesus because you're not meant to carry them yourselves. Psalm 68, 19 tells us that the Lord daily bears our burdens. See, when we place our burdens, our metaphorical cloaks and worries and anxieties that are wearing us down and which cover us down in front of our King, King Jesus, we are, in a sense, anointing Him as the King of our life. He's the only one who can carry that. Isn't it interesting that Peter chose this word for casting as opposed to any of the other words? In other words, don't wear or bear your burdens or anxieties yourself. Give them to Jesus. So the last part is the motivation. Why? Well, I feel a lot lighter right now. <laughs> I know for myself, you know, I'm not a patient person. Somebody can probably attest to that. Me too. <laughs> I want things now and I don't want to wait. So waiting and trusting God for His timing, that's a humbling process. But the good news is that the verb here in the Greek cares for you your burden on Jesus because he cares for you, that verb cares is in the present tense, which means ongoing action. He never stops caring. He cares every day. He cares about every detail. So all the things that we can think in our mind when our mind is racing and swirling, Jesus can handle them. See, God sees yesterday, today, and the future. And he has us and our loved ones in the palm of his hand. All those things that I mentioned, the economy and the stock market and the government and the vaccine and the whole thing, he, Jesus has power over all of it. He understands, though, how difficult it is when we worry. He himself, when he was here on earth, Remember, he looked over the city of Jerusalem from the mountain, and he knew what was coming, and he cried. He just cried over Jerusalem, his beloved city. And then again, at Lazarus, too, when Lazarus had died, and Mary and Martha were just despondent, Jesus cried again. He knows. He knows. So to summarize, the idea is for us to give up our sense of control, which is a myth anyway. Jesus is much stronger than we are. And to do that over and over and over, day by day, hour by 
do this by reminding ourselves that God is sufficient when we are not. I find myself saying, you have to come up with your own little phrase, although you can borrow mine. I can't do this, but Jesus can. I can't do this, but Jesus can. I have to repeat it to myself over and over and over every day. Over and over and over and over and over until I actually believe it. See, because we're all, I think, especially now, prone to anxious thoughts. We want to rely on ourselves, we want to believe that we're capable. It's not what God intended. We're not designed to carry the burdens ourselves. Jesus said to seek his kingdom first and his righteousness and all the other things. He knows that we need them. They'll be added to us as well. But seek first his kingdom. So being anxious or filled with concern about the future, it brings us needless suffering. It raises our heart rate, it makes us sweat, it's our mind things to race about. When we're facing tough times like we are right now, God is giving us the opportunity to reorient our thoughts and to trust Him more. In Paul's words, to take every thought captive for Christ. See, our human coping strategies are revealed to be lacking. And these life circumstances force our faith to the surface. God wants us to draw near to him, to take off our burdens, and clothe ourselves in humility. When we lay down our burdens and we leave them in his hands in complete trust, then we will have peace. God will lift us up from suffering, persecution, pain, and heartaches. And not for nothing, you lift up when you're not as heavy, like when you're not as weighed down, you lift yourself up. He is endured, and he is indeed good. God's love endures forever. So as we close our time together in God's word, hear these words of Peter again, and really hear them in your heart. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Pray with me. Father God, this is one we honestly struggle with. This is a hard thing, the area of anxious thoughts. This is difficult for us. It's easy to talk about trust and not being anxious in the abstract, but more challenging to live it out consistently. Please bring to mind this teaching from your word the next time we encounter anxiety and worry. Enable each one of us to humble ourselves, not in false modesty, but in true humility, to trust you more. We love you and pray in your son's name.